1: Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linford, and I'm here today with a very well-known property investor, developer, and also a very tall, bald and good-looking man, as he
0: passed.
1: before we press recall. It is the wonderful Dan Hulbert. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see i told you it would work in the intro <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely like you're the only guest that i have introduced as tall bald and good looking so that's
0: great see?
1: See? bob brilliant
0: see? <laughs> the funny thing is because it's because it's on zoom and that's pretty much been life isn't it for the last couple of years and <laughs> i've met people recently in in events and they're like I didn't realise you'd be as, as tall as you are, because obviously you only, see, you only see your torso, don't you? So it's not like and everyone's like, oh, I didn't realise you would be six foot four. <laughs> so it's, quite a, it's quite an unusual dynamic now, meeting people for the first time, even though you've met them several times over, the, over Zoom. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely you,
0: know, you, can well, you can see I'm bald and good looking, but you just can't see how tall I'm.
1: Well, absolutely, but I know how imposing you are in real life, Dan. So <laughs> you
0: yeah, have we have met several times, so But yes. we
1: have we have. i am
0: had
1: times. So, Dan, listen, you've got loads going on in your world. Um, we're going to talk about property. We're going to talk about investing, developing, all of those aspects there. But there's so much more as well, because of course, amongst all of that, you are a very savvy businessman as well um, and building a significant business. Um, so, we're going to talk about scaling up, starting up, the differences between the two, loads of good stuff. Um, But before we get into all of the detail, Dan, can you give us a quick canter through life for you, where it started, what you've been up to and where you are today? And then we're going to have a nice chat from there, if that's all right.
0: Well, I was born in 1989. (laughs) So, I mean, uh career-wise... it, I, I was always quite lost from school, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just sort of jumped into uh retail management, logistics, all that sort of side of things. Cause it was just really, I wanted to start earning money. Um, now I know what I know with values and, um, you know, personalities and how I am and what might what I enjoy doing, you know, operations is massively not what I'm about, you know, like it's, in, it's a huge, important part of a business and, um, being employed or whatever it is it's a huge part of it but I, yeah i didn't like it at all so it went but i, I kind of that's kind of where my career went it was like sort of retail operations logistics then freight forwarding and then i went into um the building industry because i got made redundant and i sort of fell into the building industry my dad was a teacher and was doing development on the side i just sort of back early two thousands, So I sort of jumped on the tools and started helping him with that. And and sort of learned my, my trade, if you like, as I went along, really, Uh, I didn't, never got qualified in any of that stuff, but learned loads on, on on hands-on. So I've always been a very practical person. So, um, so I was talking to someone the other day, they said, I don't know how you can listen to music while you're working. I said, because I'm not audio, I don't, it doesn't, sink in like so I can have the music on and I can quite easily concentrate. Whereas you can't. So like everybody's different. But for me, doing doing the thing is how I really learn how to do something. So yeah, I've always been that just jumping at the deep end. Um I always thought it was a bit of a a trait of mine. <laughs> I just whatever I did, I always end up being in the deep end of the of the pool. Um and just get just basically sink or swim really (laughs) so um, the building side was an interesting one i was like i say i was working with my dad but i really wanted to do my own thing i think there was a there was always that need and want to do something for myself um i just didn't know how i didn't really have any mentor i mean my dad was but he wasn't where i wanted to be if that makes sense so Mm. it was it was always trying to understand how i could do that sort of thing so one day I just decided to to go out on my own and set up a contracting business, which I did in 2010. And then um, yeah, I went from basically I <laughs> said right, I'm going to set up my company. I literally woke up one morning, set up the company on company set, did it all myself. Which you know is not the best way of doing things, but that's what I did. And um, and then realised I didn't have any work. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I was like ringing around people and saying, like, you know, have you got anything, well, And then a, a friend of mine was a roofer and he gave me some laboring work. So I went from um, working with my dad and then setting up my own contracting company to then earning 70 pounds a day doing laboring for a roofing company. And I was like, Jesus, I really need to get out there and get some work going. And I knew about networking. Networking's always been part of my life, uh, my, my business life. And uh, so I started business networking and connecting with people uh, for my business. And then, um, yeah, like literally my neighbor turned around to me and said, my friend wants some work and then someone else. And then it just snowballed from there. Then I found out about property networking. and I started doing some online coaching with with a company, and they were like, "Go and find out. This is your homework." Found out about that. Then I met an investor there, started doing HMO conversions for him. Didn't even know what HMO. When they kept saying HMO um, in in the in the in the meeting, I was thinking, "What the fuck is a H? What is a HMO? <laughs> like, I have no idea what these guys are talking about." And then I ended up doing something like fourteen or fifteen conversions for him over the next eighteen months. Like we just went full on. And I was like, "Well, I should really be doing this for myself. This seems a bit stupid." Um, but highs and lows of the business. I had a business partner that was a, you know, we just didn't see eye to eye with how we wanted to move forward. So that kind of stopped some progress. But then I went, I went and got some education in property and started learning how to do it um, using other people's money rather than my money because I didn't have any. So. Um, In hindsight, I think it depends, really, perception, but I think there's got to be more emphasis. If you're going to do it with other people's money, you really need to have a real real plan on how you're going to do that, Um, whereas I didn't really have that, and I didn't have the guidance for that either, Um, whereas really what I should have done is tried to work at how I could build the contracting business to then... Put the money and reinvest it and build my cash flow pot. Um, but I didn't. I didn't do it that way. Basically, and it and it was always feast or famine. It was always fighting for money. Um, and although the last probably twelve years, I've made money every single month to pay the mortgage. It was always a bit up and down. Um, and then and then I went too much, too big, too quickly. Um, didn't have the systems and processes in place. Didn't have the right people around me. Nearly lost everything. I built a small portfolio. Nearly, i lost that. I just, well, I didn't lose it. I just sell it to make ends meet, basically. Um, and then, and then it just sort of, I was like, what? What do I do? And then the property vault came along—an idea that connecting with people, building my profile. Um, I enjoyed the networking. I enjoyed the presenting. So I set that up in 2016 um, and ran that for like four, nearly five years. And stopped due to COVID and then we just decided to knock it on the head but you know it was a good meeting you know we had um, anywhere between at the beginning 30 odd people right up to the end was I think our highest number was about 80 odd people so we had really good numbers independent meeting but that sort of got me through and pushing me along and I was still doing some um, consultancy for people and helping them show them how to do projects properly and there's a lot of misinformation around contracting and stuff. So, um, and it's the hardest bit, I think, one of the hardest bits. I mean, it's again, it's all perception of what, what you're good at and what you're not good at. But I think the building side is there's so many moving parts. Um, so I started helping and teaching people how to do that properly. And and then I met my now business partner, Gary, in 2020. And, um, you know, we've we've got, we'll, we'll have nearly 14 units by the time we finished in the last... 18 months. Um, we've done a lot in emergency housing for rent to rents in London with another business partner. You know, we um that's been an interesting ride. But you know, we're now looking at how we can scale that. We're looking at how we can add arms to that um, and legs. <laughs> we've got foundations, but it's just adding it's adding the other parts to it, you know, and just to look at see if we can scale it, if we want to scale it. Um these are all good questions. Um that we need to ask ourselves and if that's what we want to do so yeah that's kind of where we're at
1: brilliant oh, i love it dan you know and the thing is about you is that you're you're so open and honest about the highs the lows things you've learned things yeah. that have gone well things that haven't gone so well and certainly i think when when we first met you and uh, when chris and i came across you you were presenting at progressive at an event progressive property yeah. you were talking about, you know, um, uh, projects and how to do it properly and how not to do it, you know, really taking all of your knowledge and experience. And one of the things that attracted us to you in the first place was because you are very open and honest and warts and all. And certainly, you know, from, from the interactions we've had, you've saved us, you know, lots and lots of money with the projects that we've done. So, you know, I think your, your superpower Is your authenticity and all of the experience, the highs and the lows. So all of those, you know, areas, times when it's been really tough and you've nearly lost it all. Ironically, is probably what's going to what's created you, allowed you to be as strong as you are today because you've had that experience of what not to do. And um, would you take it through?
0: Yeah, and I think I think in life you know life is like the. you know i'm very very much believe in, in balance in life and you know good you anything good happens there's equally something as bad happening at the same time whether you perceive it or not so it's always about trying to get back to that equilibrium about having that balance and you know i suffered massive anxiety and depression uh, when i went through all that it wasn't it wasn't a great time in my life and and I can feel the telltale signs if something's getting too overwhelming for me now. Um, and I, for me, one of the biggest things to work on is self-awareness. It's like it's a huge part of being the best version you can be. If you're not aware, then you know you're never gonna you're never gonna push forward and push through those boundaries. But if you can really work on yourself and what's going on around you, it's, bloody hard. It's it's, it's a, and it's a never ending, it's a never ending uh, challenge. Um, but it's a good one because it makes you it makes you really think about what's going on and you know and how you can provide solutions for whatever the challenge is at the time or the problem is at the time, you know. So yeah, um, yeah it's a adversity, there's a saying adversity is is a, a seed you plant for future growth, you know.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's that's very very true. And you know what? I mean, the thing is about property is um, that it's not it's not necessarily. <laughs> compl- it's not the- Are you still there?
0: <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well, it can be yes, but yeah, no, it can me. be, but it's not necessarily um, complicated. Although it can be, but it isn't always easy, is it? Because yeah, I think you know, my saying is wrong. it's
0: simple. It's it's simple, the process when you think about it and when you know it, it's simple. Start with the end in mind, work your profit, work your, work your costs, that's what you buy it for. So that, that, the process is simple, but it's not, as you said, it's not easy to always execute. And there is a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people involved right from the get-go from estate agents to vendors, to solicitors, surveyors, you know accountants like even more so now tax advisors you know then you've got the, tech, the refurb team and professionals and you know architects and i mean the list goes on and on this so it's a, it's a very people-focused business so unless you work on your communication skills your organization skills your management you know it's a very tough business to be in if you haven't got that, that skill set so you do really need to work on it or there's a, there's a model that um, we came up, up with ages ago called empty, because everything starts, a property starts out empty. And you've got experience, money, property, and time. All those four things can be leveraged quite easily. But the why, as in you, not the the, the letter you, but why is yourself. You've got to drive those four elements. So you actually need to understand what experience you've got or haven't got, what you're missing, what you need. You know, what money can you bring to the table? What money do you need to bring in from elsewhere? Whether that's private finance, mortgages, bridging, whatever it is. Uh, Your property, what's your your model? But then also, what is the strategy for the whole picture? And then your time. Like, if you're working full-time, there's a guy I was talking to the other day about, he really liked the idea of rent-to-SAs. And he went and did a course on it. And, he, and, he, and he, he said, I'm just really frustrated. I can't make it work. I'm a full-time teacher. And I was like, right, right, right wait, that's it. What you, you obviously like it because you're attracted to it. So that's, that's, that's great. But what you've not worked out yet is how to do it. The person who's teaching you how to do it is teaching you from their perspective of how they've done It doesn't necessarily mean that's how you do it. But the models are the same. You just need to work out your how now. So the why and the, the what and all the rest of it, it's all fine. It's the how. So which is the hardest bit in property? It's the yeah. delivery, you know. So, and unfortunately, a lot of people in farming, you've got planting the seed, you've got cultivation, you've got harvest. The cultivation bit is the bloody hardest bit because it's the work. That's the bit you've got to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just about. Understanding what what you what you can bring to the table and what you're missing, and then how you can bring those things in.
1: Yeah, so so you're right. You know, I, I love the the analogy that you use the empty um, kind of acronym really, and the various elements because everyone's situation is different, isn't it? At the end of the day, some people are working, some people are doing it full time, some people are looking for cash flow, other people are looking for just to create a nice little pot that maybe for retirement. Other people want to you know build a scalable business, you know, that gets into multi millions. So. I think you're right, context is everything. And actually, when you understand that and really assess what's going to be the right solution for you, because you can have all the ingredients, but you are got to bake the cake, haven't you? You know, So um, you know, I think that's a really, really good way of looking well, at
0: you it. You get someone else to bake it for you and take the stress away. But then you yeah. can pay for that. So this exactly. Thing. People expect the same result um, by doing it themselves or getting someone else to do it. Now, if you get someone else to do it, there's a, there's a cost involved in that. You can't expect someone to do something for nothing. So, um, you know, it's fair exchange, isn't it? So if that's how you do it, get someone else to do it, know that your returns are maybe not as good, but you've leveraged everything, you know? You've, you've leveraged the whole process, which that's sensible. You know, if it's a long-term game, which property generally is anyway, then then that's fine. So, you know, understanding the why of why you want to do property, but people do get hooked into the shiny penny because they think, well, I could do that. That that looks really easy. I and mean, then they don't think about anything else. And that's like that's fine because it's only you only know what you know. But if you know why you're doing it, you know what the reasons are for doing it, and those are important, then the how is just a bit you need to work out. And don't um one person's way of doing it is not necessarily your way of doing it, but you can still do the model. It just means your strategy is different. That's all.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I love that. And when you started talking, Dan, about, you you know, kind of your journey, when you started out, you know, you you made a decision, you wanted to go out on your own, you set the company up, you then realized you didn't have any clients, any customers. So you went out and got some customers. So that that was very, very much in startup mode, you know, and that's great. You made a decision, you cracked on, You you just, you just built the business by doing stuff, taking action, not necessarily with, you know, a, a well thought through business plan or the, you know, the processes and the structure.
0: I've never written a business plan. Never. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Honestly,
0: I've tried. I'm not a planner. That's the problem. I'm not a planner. Like in my, you know, I've got an idea of what I want to do, but I don't necessarily break it down. And that's why goals have always been, a, they're in my head, but they're not really necessarily written down. And I know, and I think that's where I need to be better. I'm always working on these sort of things, you know? Um, but yeah, you just, by taking the action, um, it, it takes the pressure off. And sometimes you can get too much in your head, can't you? And
1: definitely, really, definitely. you just need to
0: go out and do something or change your environment, go for a bloody walk or do something, whatever, whatever it is, you know, just to, yeah. just to you know, otherwise you are just sit and stew. And I've done that loads of times, you know. And that's where self awareness comes back to self awareness and being right. oh, shit. Well, I need to get on my head. Right. Go for a walk. You know, go to the, go to the whatever, go to the golf range, whatever it is that, that you can do to get out of, out of your own way, really. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's right because, you know, there's plenty of people, I mean, I do a lot of advisory work with businesses, how, you know, how they scale up. And, and actually I see lots of businesses that have been incredibly successful, are very profitable and, and are doing some really good stuff, but they've never had a business plan and they've never thought of the strategy and all of this good stuff. And that's fine because you can still have a very successful business. But I think the difference is when you want to scale up, then this stuff becomes more important. You know, because as you said, if you're raising finance, taking on investor money, you know, you've got to start with the end in mind a lot more than when you first start out in a startup mode. So the skills you need, the structures, the processes, the financial planning, all of that is very different when you're scaling up versus starting up. And I think sometimes people don't realize how distinct those two phases of of business growth are Um, and, and where you are now, Dan, because we were talking earlier around you're doing some big meaty stuff now. So you are very much in that scale up mode or at least starting to move into that phase of growth so do you want to just talk a little bit around the kind of, the kind of things you've got going on at the moment? Because it really takes you from actually I didn't have any work when I started my business to all of a sudden now having actually a pretty sizable business in a relatively short space of time. So just, yeah. just, just, just talk us through that and then we'll talk a little bit around, um, around the things that you're having to think about differently in this phase than, than when you first started.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean right now we've got – up to I think it'd be 14, 12 or fourteen units properties that will that we'll be developing, and they're all like two, two units, four units, six units. Now that sort of size development, and we're quite happy with our size developments. I mean, for me, I've never really been interested in doing like massive stuff. Like I've probably had thoughts on like, oh yeah, you know the idea of it, um, but I know what goes into it, and for me, yeah. I'm not really interested in in that. And that's and we that's a decision that me and my business partner made for, with Holsford that you know we're going to look at the two, four, six units as a max and just keep cookie cutter in those and keep keep those coming in, um, and and they're just they're a lot more easy to manage for us um, and less stress. But there's other things that we're talking about with that side of the business is. Um, you know, there's ideas and plans of maybe doing some sort of plant and and skip hire and and, uh, waste management because there's a lot of people that that we can work with in that circle, in that area that we could start build another sort of arm to the business. So that's something that we're talking about at the moment. That's very, very, very um, early stages. It it might not be the right thing, but it's certainly, Gary's very good at looking at the numbers and seeing how that would work. I'm very good at like, getting the work in um, mm. and, and getting the clients in and, and sales and the marketing side from a relationship point of view. Um, and then we've got the emergency housing, which is doing with another partner, which we've, you know, Holsford um, as the business partnership with Aquila did just over a thousand properties last year um, on rents to rents in London, in and around London. It's a couple of councils just outside of London, but very close to London. Um, and then, personally and um, uh, f- through what we've done as as individuals uh we're probably closer to like sixteen hundred properties I would say on rents or rents so it's been a it's been a busy busy time um working with councils from experience of working with them in the past is always interesting <laughs> um unfortunately you know they're not business minded uh they've got quotas and budgets and things that they have to get work to and yeah, it's 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 a tough, it's a tough game to, to work with them. But you know, we're getting there with it. And and really now the next step is there's a couple of other contracts that have come on board off the back of this that um, could be three times what I've just said number wise. Um, and then so we're looking at more fine. I mean, we raised just over six million pounds in private finance last year for individuals, which is a lot of money. And it's a lot of people to manage. Uh, I think it was a close to 70 people in the end that we work wow. with. And for me, I would rather, I'd like to work with still work with private investors, but I would prefer to work with slightly um, bigger pots of money that they could bring to the table. We've proved the model, so that's not a problem. And there is also, we're having conversations with bigger membership people that have got members that will put money into it. And then you've got big individuals that have asset companies that want to part of the business and all the rest of it. So it's just understanding what, where we need to be. And, you know, we are thinking differently. Operations is a huge thing, you know, getting the right people on board. Um, operation is, I would say that's the bit that we really need to work on for me. Um, Mm. we all got operational, thoughts, but we're not necessarily ones that need to deliver it if that makes sense. So we need to make sure we've got the right person or people on board for that. So yeah, we think, and then you're also thinking it's like you really do need to start with the end in mind. Like you do when you buy a property, how much is it going to be worth based on today's market value? You know, what what are our costs and etc etc and then chunk it back to where we are now and we've got to do that with this business. You know, my in my head, I would something of this scale or could be of this scale, you know, I've always said to myself, if I got involved in a business that was that big, it would always be to exit always. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, my values align around lifestyle. They align around, which is, you know, my wife and being able to have that flexibility. It, It evolves around business. It evolves around, you know, being, um, the person promoting and marketing the business. So, so, you know, as long as it all fits in with my values as well, then scaling is not a problem. It's just um, how long for and how long I'm involved in it, I suppose, is probably the question. Um, so, yeah, they're all the things that we're thinking about. And, you know, I've been offered to be involved in stuff like that before, and I've turned it down because it's just not quite the right fit for me, you know? Mm. Uh, so you really, again, it comes down to the self aware you know, self-awareness is it an opportunity is it a regret no because for me it wasn't the right fit you know i've turned investors down that have got over a million pounds that want to do it but for want of a better word they were a dick so i wouldn't work with them you know so you know, i put a post out a few weeks ago saying you know just don't be a dick <laughs> and that's just like simple social idolisms really just like have integrity do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it look and if you can't do it when you say you're going to do it just talk and communicate and let us know what you're doing if you can't do that i'm not going to work with you it's that simple um because i I, you know we make mistakes it's you're human you can't you can't not make mistakes but if you do just try and like communicate and let people know and update them and You know, things do happen. Um, Yeah. So, you know, everyone's value is different and everyone's expectations are different and all the rest of it. But if you can try and keep those simple things talking and keeping it open, then that's why I've always been that way, really
1: yeah I mean there's so much really important important stuff in here, which I'm gonna just kind of kind of touch on now. I think you know the first is be be really clear on your reason why and 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 your kind of purpose and what's important for you and and very often I think people focus on the business or the career and they don't connect that with their life purpose and and kind of what they want in terms of their broader perspective relationships lifestyle all of that so you know I think that's something which you are very in tune with. And what you're now going through or will be going through, Dan, is to say, okay, in this phase, what does that look like? And actually what's going gonna, gonna fit to fit for me, for Emma, for, you know, the, the
0: people. Yeah, and I how I can link my them. values to that next that next level, you know? Yeah, ab- if absolutely. If I can't find a way, then it ain't right for me. So that's no. it.
1: And and I think the other thing is that, that really stood out as you were talking was just the confidence and the power to say no. Um, because very often I think, you know, we you know, as 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 human beings, we generally want to be loved and liked, right? I mean, this is
0: human oh, I'm a nightmare.
1: <laughs> so so we're people very often we're people pleasers aren't we and actually that can often mean that we say yes to stuff because we don't want to upset anyone we don't yeah. offend anyone we want to be liked and all of this kind of stuff but that can often end up in a whole bunch of like repercussions and problems whereas to actually be comfortable and say you know this isn't right for me um, in a polite respectful way or what you know of course but to actually be able to say no i don't i'm not going to go ahead with this opportunity or you're not the investor for me or i'm not i don't think i'm the best fit for you takes confidence and courage i think to do that and it does come with a little bit of um, i suppose being I've mean, been around the block a little bit shall we say um yeah. How do you, how do you um, work on that, uh, Dan? How, when, you, when you're looking and assessing either an investor or an opportunity and you look at it and you think, mm, right, okay, maybe this isn't right for me, how do you end up saying no versus saying yes? So if the voice in your head is saying, oh, I should really do this, should really do this, but your gut is saying, oh, this doesn't feel good, how do you actually bridge that so you end up with the right decision?
0: Yeah, so for me, um, oh, you know, I was always like that, and I think that's just purely through um, not seeing the support as a as a kid growing up. Like, look, we got mum and dad. You know, we had a good family life. You know, good upbringing and all the rest of it. But I think sometimes they were always so busy with work. Like, and I was I was the middle kid. My sister had my nan, granddad, and my brother. Um, had my nan and granddad, but I always sort of got left to my own devices and I was always that one that just went off and did whatever I, I did, but I never really had that. I did there were, there were glimpses of support from people, but I think that was always a void for me. So like always saying yes to things was a real problem for me. Like, and I realized that when I got into business um, and I gave too much away um, early doors, you know, like, the building company, I'd say, I've got it going for the first year. And then a friend of Emma's husband was out at work. I said, have you got anything? I was like, "Look, you know, I'm always want to help people. And I like Darren and blah, 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 he come on board. And then I was just, oh this would be great. He like, in my head, I was like, he could run the jobs. I could get the work in. I don't want to be on the tools. You know, I'm doing it as needs must at the moment to build the business, but I could see myself, right, I'll get the work in. And, and I never actually discussed that with him, but that was my plan. Yeah. And, and I said, look, come on, like give you 50-50, blah, blah, blah. And I never really, and I was pushing towards that all the time. And he was like, like, it got to a point where he was like, Dan, I don't want to run five jobs. You know, like, you're bringing all this work in and, you know, you're not doing any work on the tools. And he didn't see mm-hmm. that value. Um, and it was just yeah so trying to so I was like yes to everything at the early stages and it was only really working on myself uh, I've done a lot of work with D Martini Dr D Martini early days wealth dynamics to understand um, and all these things like wealth dynamics for me is a guide disc profiling is a guide it's part of your makeup but it's not, you know, you're not like pinpoint that's who you are because mm. everyone's got different situations. But yeah, working on myself, personal development, self mastery is always at this, for me. It's a never ending, it's a never ending pursuit, um, and I'll never get to the end of it. and And I know that, and I'm happy with that. So like, when it comes to like saying no to things, like Gary always laughs at me because I say, yeah, I'll do it in the business. Um, And he says, you know, you're a busy fool. I went, no, because I like to know the process and then I I can pass it on. I don't want to just give it to someone and then say, right, go and get on with it. Because then they're at the deep end and and they'll never do it the way you want to do it. So it's about understanding the process first and then giving it out to someone. Well, that's right or wrong, that's just my process. But if I say no to things, it's bigger things, really. Mm. You know, like investors, you know, I always say, any investor wants to talk to me, I always say to them, look, there's no pressure from us. You know, like, this is a great opportunity. If it's right for you, it's right for you. If it's not, it's not. So I use the reverse on them. And, like, you can say no if you want to say no. There's there's literally no pressure. Um, Yeah. And I do the same as if I really don't get the vibe from them as an investor. I'll say to them, this really doesn't sound like the right thing for you. So I will say, look, I think you're better off doing something something else or doing a different style of investing or whatever. So it's just about understanding your values. And when I say values, I don't mean like um, if you studied Martini's stuff. I don't mean like the social, like being how many integrity, like open, honest, and all that sort of stuff. I think you should be that anyway as a person. Um, I think it's understanding. What you're good at and what you enjoy doing and what drives you, because if you if you conf, you'll always find time for the things you value,
1: mm.
0: and you won't with the things you don't. <laughs> so it's I always look at those. I try and go back to those and be aware of self-aware enough of that, and I go, right, is this the right thing, or am I just doing it because it's the right thing to do for them? Um yeah. so. You know, mine are quite simple, you know, having the right lifestyle, having the right business to, to push and promote and market. Um, they're, they're like my main, you know, and lifestyle means with Emma, like Emma's all, Emma's all part of that, um, the, like my lifestyle. And the, the, so I'm always looking at how much is it going to affect that, you know, doing the house we've just bought on a, on a purchase lease option. Is it the right fit? Does it is it does it fit with what we're doing now? Like, yes, it does. It, it ticks all those boxes. So the opportunity was a was a tick. Um, uh-huh. But if there had been something where it didn't quite fit, or I felt that it was the wrong, it didn't fit in with that, then I'd have been no. Right, we can't we can't really do that. It's not the right it's not the right move. so um, uh-huh. yeah, it's just looking again. It's self awareness, keeping in tune with your values then it was quite an easy decision to say yes or no um, to an opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's great advice actually, Dan. And, and even if you don't overtly do this, but in your head you have a bit of a checklist of what your criteria are and you're kind of you know, almost scoring against them and going, oh, hang on a minute. This is you know, you don't actually or you can physically do that, you know. For some people, they like they're very factual and they like to get things out of their head down on paper. I mean, literally, hmm. sometimes I say when you're weighing up options, you know, what are the criteria that, that are kind of important? And then if you're not sure, score, score score the option against those criteria and then see which one comes out the highest and that's probably the one you should pick you know (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I think you're right it's uh, assessing and then and then calmly looking at a situation and then having the confidence and the communication skills to be able to to actually convey the message in in a a way that's congruent you know still
0: and also and also um, one of of the biggest things that that I made decisions on in the past which were that. perception of being a mistake at the time when you look at it everything happens for you not to you but at the time it was a perceived mistake was because i do it through scarcity i need to make money you know i need to pay the mortgage you know i need Uh, your brain is constantly thinking it's the right thing to do it's an it's, it's an opportunity to make money pay the mortgage but it's a yes Right. Yeah. So at the time, that was the right thing to do. Mm. Long term, was it the right thing to do? No. And then that's where having the self awareness um, and understanding what how long a period it's for and say, well, actually, like, so really, if looking back, the building, you know, setting up the building company, it was the right thing to do. But I probably should have had a bit more. Pipeline of work first before just jumping into it and saying right, I'm not working with that anymore. Do you know what I mean? I should have yeah. should have got, had a little bit more of a plan. And I think clarity and the plan are massively important. I had the clarity; I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't really plan it very well because I'm not a planner. Um, mm. And I, you know, I do sometimes I make decisions very very quickly and I'll just get it done. And sometimes I overthink things, I like massively overthink things and get that analysis paralysis. And, you know, it's, it's like coaching. I've always loved coaching. Um, and I've procrastinated on being a coach properly for a long time. And I still do, still think about it now. I think, should I do it? Should I not do it? And I've overthought it so many times. And I'm trying to use my own advice to go, is it the right thing? And I always come back to a very similar answer. It's like, well, it's not for now, it's for the future. And so I know I'm going to do it, but it's just not right now. Do you see what I mean?
1: Oh, so just- 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tony Robbins actually puts it really succinctly. He says, you won't take action until your need becomes a must. And when it becomes a must, you'll do it, right? Whatever in life that is, it could be health things, it could be business, it could be career. But if you, you know, it's very, it's very different saying, oh, I need to, or I should, or I could. When you say, I must, I must become a coach, it's, it's compelling, right? You've totally changed your perspective and then you'll make it happen. You know, you said, I must, I must go out on my own and you did it. You know, OK, you've learned the lessons through the process, but, you, you know, it became a must and you took the action. You know and i think that's absolutely right you know so totally hear you on that um and Dan, can we just talk about investors really because a lot of people that are listening you know they may be in the world of property already um they but he's they, 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 getting deals and he's getting investment isn't there really there's two sides of the coin you know a whole bunch of other stuff in between of course but those are probably the two big things that people focus on they're
0: part they're part of the, the like for me like we talk about in our podcast building on sort of foundations that is the found. Fa- that is like the core, you know, yeah. mindset Mindset and working on you is what, the first thing. Deals and yeah. investment are the second thing. So they're the three blocks at the bottom. Yeah. The next two are like management and operations, and then the next one's profit. But obviously, to put the one on the top, you need to make sure this is all solid and you've worked and understood that bit from the front end, as we've already discussed. But yeah, deals and investors or investment are like key.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you we know, you haven't got a property portfolio, whatever you want to call it. So
1: yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the investment side then, and actually yeah. working with investors, attracting investors, deciding whether it's the right investor for you, etc. What are some of the some of the tips and steps, things that have been important that have worked for you that other people can learn from?
0: For for, for me, it's it's networking is great. Um, networking is a great thing to do um, and consistently doing it, not just, um, networking is about farming. It's not about hunting. So it's about cultivate. you know, it goes back to that plant, the seed show up, um, cultivate, which is follow up and keep following up and keep talking. And then, you know, the harvest is the meet up and actually, you know, closing a deal or closing an investment. You know, I always used to say at Property Vault, it's it's show up, follow up, meet up. That's the simple process to, to build a relationship with mm. someone. And for me, networking and consistently networking, talking to everybody, telling everybody what you do, right, is is, is, is paramount. And there's that whole cliche of well, the chicken and the egg. You know What comes first, the deal or the investors? If you've got a great deal, the investment will come. That is, in my opinion... Opinion, bollocks. (laughs) It happens sometimes, it doesn't happen other times. Um, I've had great deals and I've not found the investment. I've had great deals and I've found the investment. But what you don't want to do is put pressure on yourself of finding a great deal and then trying to find money because then then you're desperate. And then you're going to people with your hands out saying, please, sir, can I have some more? What you really want to be doing is building the relationships at the same time as you're looking for deals in my opinion, I think you should be trying to build the relationships with people maybe even before you start looking for deals, in my opinion, yeah, you know, networking. So as long as you've got a clear business model strategy of what you're trying to do, whether it's BRRs, HMOs, rents to rents, whatever it is, you know what you want to do. So really you're going, right, this is what I want to do. Let's go and start talking to people and tell everybody this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And then, then they get to know, like, and trust you over a period of time and sometimes that can be quickly and sometimes it takes a, takes a longer time. It depends on that person. But the idea is to go with and not with hands held out saying, you know, please, sir, can I have some more? Yeah. I've got this great opportunity. Yeah. I think you might be interested in it. And, it and, and I always say, if you're not interested, would you know anyone that would be interested in it? So you're always putting a question on them. And sometimes I even go, I've got this great opportunity. Do you know anyone that might be interested in it? Go lead with that. And then they go, wait a minute, what about me? (laughs) I might be interested in it. So it's just about talking to people and and going in with a different set of words rather than, you know, a begging process, going with an opportunity process and just consistently show up and consistently do what you say you're going to do. And people... Um, You know, like on social media, if you're new to property, recording, not being omnipresent, but being present with your journey on social media, trust me, people are are watching. People are taking note. Mm. Not everybody, but the the right people will come in at the right time. But if you're consistently doing it, then it's great. But if you think that you're going to go and get a deal and then talk to someone and go, look, I need 50 grand. Are you interested? I mean, for God's sake, you know. You might get lucky, but I'll tell you, tell you now, if that person invests that 50 grand, they're going to be all over you like a rash because they don't know you. And they're going to be like, what's going on? What's going on? And it'll be a massive headache. And trust me, there's just too much pressure to put on yourself. Mm. Take the process and take the time to build the relationships. The deals, if, you, you know, if you're serious, the deals will come. The deals will come because you'll be building a pipeline. And then when that pipeline starts coming in, you can say, right, I've got the. What you've got to do, I don't like the whole fake it till you make it, uh, be it till you see it is the one that I prefer. So if deals are coming up and you put an offer in and they say no or whatever, use those as part of your process, marketing, talking to people, saying, look, I've got this deal. And if they come back and show interest, you can always just say, "Oh, it's already gone." That deal, we've just missed out on it, or you know, whatever. But these mm. are the sort of deals that we're finding. Oh, these are these the sort of things you're interested in? You've got to test and measure these these things, and it's it's a process, really.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, now that's so yeah,
0: that's kind of like some of the advice I'd say: is networking definitely, but going with the going with the farming farming mindset of you know planting those seeds, i.e., showing up. Um, cultivating, which is following up and then meeting up. So hopefully, you know, if you've done your job right, you will close quite straight, you, you know, you will close the deal. So
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's really good advice. And like you say, you know, build the relationships and uh, and you have to judge it, don't you? You know, you have to sort of read between the lines and sense, find out what that person's looking to achieve, you know, and just try and probe as much as
0: possible. What's in it for them?
1: For yeah, this? do a, a lot of listening, a lot of listening.
0: Um, it's not about you. It's, not, mm. it's really not about you. It's about what's in it for them. So asking good questions, you know, if they're like, well, what's the return on investment or what is it that you're looking for? Mm. What's the security? Well, what security do you need? And if it fits with what you can offer with the deal, they're the right fit. If it doesn't, you say, I can't, unfortunately, on this particular deal, I can't, I can't meet that criteria. Mm. It might be better for for, for something that we look for in the future. At least you're being open and honest with them. You know, a lot of people jump into joint ventures, and I think joint ventures are great, but there's a place I would prefer to always go down the private investment route rather than the joint venture because that's a marriage. You know, you're you're, you're tying into someone. Um, So, Yeah. yeah, just make sure you know what they want and if that fits with what you're offering, then great. If it doesn't, you need someone else.
1: Yeah, perfect. No, I love that. That's great. And it only comes back to having the confidence to say this isn't right, um, but actually, let's keep in touch. You know, and just keep it, keep it yeah. with a, with a friend.
0: I, I learned that right when I was seventeen, working for a non-food co-op selling electrical equipment, and they and it, the, the 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 advice was. Go up to when people come onto the department, and we were in the basement of the like, so we didn't actually see what the what the weather was like outside and stuff. So we were kind of stuck in this basement a bit. But I like they would say, like, go up to them and say hello, how are you doing? If you need any help, I'm over here. I never really used to do that. I just I say, hey, uh, I'd say, hey, I said, what's the weather like up there? I've been dying to know. And I'd go into a conversation and try and get engagement that way. I wouldn't even talk about any of the products. And then they wander off. And then the next thing you know, they're tapping you on the shoulder and say, oh, by the way, have you got so Because they they, they they almost like know you. They've got that instant rapport with you because they, they can trust you. They can feel that they can come to you. So they're things that I've learned like really at a young age. And I've just taken that with me all the way through um, mm-hmm. to ask the question about and just be more... Um, Relatable, I think, is the word, rather than trying to shove something down their throat because you don't know what they want.
1: Yeah, no, very good advice. I mean, that's it. Often people want to buy, but they don't want to be sold to. Um, and and Absolutely. that's it's just it's just changing the approach slightly. But yeah, I love that. So so Dan, I'm going to come to some final questions shortly. Yeah. But If I do that, um, just in terms of sort of some of the key watchouts for uh, projects for for property projects, developments, etc. Just you know, if you were sort of picking out maybe Three, three of the, the most important things for people to do and bear in mind when when they've got building projects on underway. What what would they be?
0: Well, I mean, it's it, it's all in the, in the preparation, really. I mean, the potential is the bit where you do the, the deal work, etc. But you've got the preparation, and, and in preparation for me is getting the recommendation from from, from people that can recommend builders to you. Um, is a great place to start. Um, you still need to do your due diligence, etc., cetera, um, yeah. and still understand, because working for one person might not be the way you work, so you need to still make sure that they're the right fit for you. So make, preparation is the key. Um, if, you can, if you can get the right contractor on board and do the right due diligence, make sure you've got the right contract on, <laughs> in place, now, look, it's JCT contracts you can go and use, or, or you can do, just draft a simple contract, but making sure you know when the project starts and finishes, you know are, how you're paying, um, make sure they've got all their insurances in place, et cetera, et cetera. Con- contractor contracts, and then just making sure that they're well-versed in what you want. So they should be saying, well, what do you want? But they're builders. They don't ask those questions. So you need to be given the information saying, this is actually what I want. And you need to try and be as detailed as possible from the get-go because if you put four electricians in one room, say rewire that room for me, they'll all do it differently without yeah. any clearer instruction. So contractors' contracts and um, I suppose a blueprint really, you know, a, a written and drawn blueprint it can be quite simple, it doesn't need to be anything extreme, like especially by to lets, but they can still go wrong, <laughs> you know. Like, if you don't tell them what tiles, because most most builders uh have still got that mentality out to buy to let magnolia, brown carpets, you know. You know I mean, it's it's and that's what not what a lot of the people in the education don't teach that they say, no, you need to make it stand out, etc. So. Yeah, making sure you do due diligence on contractors, make sure the contracts and insurance is in place, and make sure you've got a good blueprint of what you, what you actually want to deliver or want them to deliver.
1: Yeah, brilliant. That's a fantastic advice. And, um, yeah, like you say, don't, don't dive in. Do that work properly because it'll save you money and time later if you do that. Statement.
0: Yeah, don't buy a product. It's the same, it's the same again with raising finance. Don't find a project and then try and raise finance. Don't find a project and then try and raise a build, find a builder. You know, you should be mm-hmm. doing that stuff and building those relationships first. Yeah. And saying that this is like, because if you've got a good enough plan, model, and strategy, you can sell that idea to investors and to builders.
1: Yeah. Brilliant. Love it. Absolutely great. So, Dan, I'm going to come to my last few questions. Um, mm-hmm. So, can you think of the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
0: The best piece of advice for me, I wasn't physically like given to given to me, but I heard it, and it's from one of my favourite speakers on personal development called Jim Rowland. and he says, "Be forever a student, but not a follower, and make sure that what you learn is a pro- you, what, and then what you deliver is a product of your own conclusion." And I think that's really sound advice. I think learn from people. Uh, But don't let your education just become knowledge. Make sure you turn it into practical experience. But also make sure it's okay to model people, but don't copy them. You know, you have to do it the way that works and fits your values. So that's the whole thing is always learn, but don't necessarily copy and just do what they say. You've got to make sure it's your, your conclusion that you're delivering.
1: Mm, brilliant. Yeah. Jim Rowan, God, what a legend in personal development.
0: Yeah, I could listen really. to him all day, to be
1: honest. Yeah. No, so, yeah. I know. No, no longer with us, unfortunately, but his no. legacy lives on, doesn't it? But uh, which yeah. is incredible. Um, incredible, incredible legacy to leave and still yeah. improving themselves on his on his uh, guidance really, so that's great. And, and Dan, can you think of any sort of bad advice that you took that you wish you hadn't or advice that you ignored and you were really glad you did ignore it?
0: God, yeah, this is always a tough one. I mean, for me, I, I will listen to people. Um, and again, this comes to self-awareness. I try not to be judgmental. I, I, I like to be curious and ask questions. So if someone's giving me advice, I try and find out where they are in life, business, whatever property. And if they're not where I want to be, I will decide whether to use that advice or not. Um, There's nothing that really sticks out, but I go to my family because my family my dad and my nan and my nan, I mean she's 94, bless her, but she thinks she knows everything. And she she knows a lot for 94 year old, but she's, um, but so, so my dad, my dad's got that mentality. And I was a bit like that when I was younger until I met Emma and Emma kind of slapped that out of me, shall we say. Um, and I became a lot more curious rather than being a bit of a know-it-all. So it kind of goes back to, you know, I've, listen like I still meet up for my dad for breakfast most most months and stuff but when I listen to him I am always thinking that are you where I want to be no you're not but there's certain bits and nuggets that I'll take on um under advisement should we say mm. uh, but I, I don't ever poo anybody's advice um I think people want to try and help at the end of the day so you know uh yeah just be curious
1: yeah no, that's good that is that is great perspective actually because it's more around saying you know because advice is feedback isn't it and then you can kind of distill it go okay well is there something in this that works for me or or not as the case may be and yeah actually, um, i think that's a quite a smart way of
0: yeah it's all that whole thing of like there's no such thing as you know free advice and all that sort of stuff or is right it is can you get a free advice and i think um it's worth what you take from it really. Um, you know, like there's a lot of big players that put a lot of content out there and, you know, they talk about, Oh, you know, we don't get any fee. And it's like because they're trying to make money out of it in the future. That's what, Mm -hmm. that's what their business is about. And that's fine. But, um, you know, it's, I've I've had good advice from people and it saved me money and it didn't cost me a penny. Yeah, it cost yeah, me a yeah. penny. It was just a conversation we were having. But I'm, as I say, I'm a curious person, and I like to ask questions. So, yeah. and I'll always be the person in the room that will put my hand up and ask a question. And I don't care. I'll always ask if I want to know, and I don't understand it. I want to know. Um, yeah, and I don't think that's a bad thing.
1: Not at all. Well, stay curious, stay hungry, I think is what you're saying, Dan. So I, like, I love that. So my final question, Dan, actually one before that, where can people find you, Dan? They want to kind of connect with you?
0: Um, you can't. I'm a recluse.
1: <laughs> now we know that's not true.
0: I mean, look, you know, social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, you can, yeah, you can connect with me on any of those and I'm more than happy to have a chat about stuff if you want to find out more about what we do or if you want to just talk property or business um, you know, there's a calendly link I can give you that you can put in the show notes if you want Perfect. You call with me that's not a problem
1: Excellent, that's great so yeah, lots of ways to check out uh, and check in with Dan so that's brilliant so Dan, my last question um, is what does Brave Bold Brilliant mean to you?
0: I think for me it's about being true to yourself and going and taking that taking those risks really and take take, you know like success That you can't have success without risk and you can't you know but i would rather have that than sit there with the regret and the, the little voice in my head saying um what if what if i did that what if i'd made that decision um and i don't you know i don't want regrets in my life um I want decisions that I can make um, and I think, you know, brave, bold and brilliant is about making those decisions in life and, you know, even when they are really, really tough decisions and you don't wanna do it, you you just have to be brave, uh, you have to be bold and, you know, by doing it, it helps you become brilliant really. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of what it means to me um, in a nutshell
1: fantastic well i love it what the perfect way to end the podcast so thank you so much dan you've been incredible you've been brave bold and brilliant
0: (laughs) thank you it's been brilliant i've really enjoyed being on thank you thank you for for inviting
1: me oh you're very welcome you're very welcome i look forward to seeing you soon i really hope you've enjoyed brave bold brilliant don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends and if you've enjoyed listening i'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review